morning, good afternoon, good night. However you're watching, wherever you're watching, whenever you're watching, however you're listening, whenever you're listening, it is the Bet Online Salute Detroit podcast. We got the tripod here today. The Bearded Brothers is back. Jamal just shaved two minutes ago. Just to let you know, we were talking about that before. So his beard will be in by the end of the show. We're here on an exciting Wednesday. You guys will be watching this on Thursday. But we got a lot of big news that came through. We had a lot of visits, a lot of memorying what was going on, what was going down. We actually just talked about it the previous week with USCJ. We need depth in the quarterback room. SC had a quarterback on campus. And it looks like we got one signed. We got Mayava from Maeva, excuse me, from UNLV. Very explosive. Believe it or not, for my Christmas party, I watched his conference championship game. And I was like, oh, he's not bad. Like, he's pretty good. It makes sense. If I'm not mistaken, he is a hometown kid, right? So he's coming back home, right? Or am I wrong on that one? He's a Vegas kid. I think he he's was born in I think he was okay. actually born in Hawaii, but grew up in Vegas. So oh, there you go. We can so, call, we'll claim him though. We call him hometown. That's fine. Oh, Vegas is extended LA anyway. Like, so it really yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. He's the first, the first Polynesian SC quarterback, which is very cool. That's a big deal, too. So that works out. You know so who we, should have been the first Polynesian USC quarterback? Yeah. To uh to a yeah, that was that was the one that got away. You know, that was the one that got away for uh because he was going to sign with Sark, um, and and uh, that's the one that got away. Just wasn't a car dealership that wanted his parents, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when you no longer can do that, you retire. But anyway, let's keep. <laughs> <laughs> I got it in. Yes. Uh, let's keep moving forward. So we said we needed depth in the quarterback room. Uh, he was going to go to Georgia. Committed to Georgia. Last minute flip. To decided to come to SC, I guess he went to Georgia, saw how cold it is in the winter, came here. It's cold for us, but he's like, I could deal with 65 in the in the winter. So that might have been it. Palm trees, beaches, who knows what that is. At the end of the day, when you step on Figueroa, it's an immaculate campus. As soon as you step on, you get the aura. It's a different feeling. But we got a backup quarterback. We got a quarterback. Here's the most important part. God forbid something happens to Miller Moss. We got a quarterback. That can get us through a game. Not only get us through a game, we have a quarterback that could get us to at least get us through at least two to three games, and it changes Lincoln Riley's playbook, right? And that's the good thing about Lincoln Riley is his playbook for Miller Moss is not the same playbook for Caleb Williams, Jalen Hurts, uh, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. So these two playbooks are going to be different between Jaden Maiava and Miller Moss. So him coming on the field, if there is an injury, knock on wood, God forbid, it's going to be different. So we are going to see some flash and change, but we have a solid foundation in the room. I don't think we're done. I do think we need to get one more to be safe. And that one more needs to come from high school and we need to get it within. We need to get that locked down within the next three weeks, right? The first Tuesday is about three or four weeks, for about a month from now. So we need to get that taken care of. Ryan, what are your opinion? What is your opinion on this big get? Well, first off, no, no intros. What's up? Coach? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no hellos. No, yeah. how are I'm you? Doing... I mean, the Indian in me is deeply offended, Fred. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you don't man. come you know... back from that, from an Indian household. <laughs> Let me tell you that much right now. That ain't going to fly with my parents. No one Italian, and it's 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 Wednesday, so I'm a little thrown off. I'm a, I'm an athlete, so I'm a creature of habit. 
I'm nor yeah. and I normally I normally say hello to you guys. Jamal, how are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for the uh, the belated greeting, but I'll <laughs> take it anyway. There's an asterisk by it, but uh, doing well, coach. Great to see you. Ryan, how are you? Yes, I'm good. I know it's Wednesday, so we never record Wednesdays, so it feels off. Um, hope you're well, but yeah, I mean, no, it's good just to dive right into it. So uh, to me, this, and we, I, I can't remember if we brought him up on the last show or we talked about it offline, but I mean, to me, this was the perfect match for both player and program in the sense that, you know, Maeva, talented kid, as you mentioned, Mountain West player of the year, over 3,000 yards. Um, you know, he's got some good pop in his arm. You could see some, you know, in that championship game or the, not necessarily the, um, bowl game, but the Mountain West championship game against Boise, um, showed some good stuff and, you know, as a freshman, so three to four years of eligibility left. And so he can come in and, and sit behind Miller, but also push Miller Moss for that starting job. I mean, he's going to come in and compete and want to get that, win that starting job. So he'll have that, I think, opportunity. But if he doesn't win it, which I think at this point, we don't think he will because of what Miller Moss did and how this team rallied around him. You know, he's got plenty of eligibility to if Miller balls out, goes to the draft next year. Well, then he, he becomes the main man until if Julian Lewis does stay committed to SC and, and comes in 25 or 26, um, you have a true starter that's been in the program for at least a year. So I, I was great for him coming to a great program and, and a undoubted best coach when it comes to quarterback productivity and getting to the NFL and is great for SC and getting a guy that's young, that's talented, that started an entire season as a freshman and now can kind of learn the ropes under Lincoln. So, I mean, to me, this was uh, as good as a, signing as they could get in terms of transfer portal QB for now. Jamal, even though I'm not welcome back into your household, what do you think? No, uh, <laughs> uh, coach, uh, absolutely. I, I totally agree with Ryan. I think, I think there's some on the field dimensions and I think there's some off the field dimensions. And I think with the on the field dimensions, again, his style fits the Lincoln Riley system in terms of being able to unlock all the tools, right? You mentioned it, Fred. I mean, six, four, two twenty. Uh, Ryan talked about the pop in his arm. He's also quite the athlete as well from a mobility standpoint. And when you talk about the numbers as a freshman, over 3,000 yards, 17 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, definitely some quality starts, some quality experiences behind him with the right tutelage. I think you can see him grow really well. The ideal QB2 to Miller Moss, the guy that's going to kind of push him in the spring. But I think ultimately Miller Moss will will win this job and have his team for the 24 season. And then I think it's the off the field. That's so interesting here as well. When you talk about taking the visit with USC, look like USC was in pole position. And then out of nowhere early in the week, he says, Hey, I'm going to Georgia. I'm committed. And that looked like a locked on deal. And then his nil representative broke the story that he's actually flipped back uh, from Georgia to USC. So just the wild world of, modern college football that we live in that does seem like there was kind of a bidding war behind the scenes and and ultimately SC got their guy to get that much needed depth so I think this is a a really nice get uh, for Lincoln Riley and USC fortifying that position hey does he stay for three or four years at USC who knows but for now you've got the depth uh, in place for 2024 in, in exactly the way you want it and depth was exactly what they needed I don't think they're fully there at depth yet but at least they're making the right steps. I, I will say this, and, and Jamal, you're the biggest advocate of this too. Like they need to start making moves, and we we're talking about that. I think one live, like close to the end of the season, like things need to start happening. And then the, it triggered both of us when he's like, "I'm now motivated." 
we're seeing the motivation. You know what I mean? Sure. Like the motivation is actually the, actually there, and he's making the right steps. So, <coughs> excuse me. Like right now, everything's going in the right place. I will say this though. I saw a picture the other day, and I saw a small kid in the picture. All the kids look good, and I saw a small kid. And I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this one. I don't know who it was. What are you trying to say, Coach? What are you trying to say? It's I'm a small kid. Yeah, but you were a receiver. We'll take a small receiver. If you could catch and go, I'll take you all day. But it looks like this kid's going three-point stance, and it's not. he wasn't big enough. <laughs> Fred, I got to ask you, how much of it do you think is this sort of old-school SC Letterman's jacket that all these kids are in? You know, some of them, you know, got the shirt on, the sweatshirt on. Some of them are shirtless. The next guy we're talking about, Bolt. I mean, he went shirtless with the, uh, with the Letterman's jacket. But how much of it is kind of this baggy, heavy, you know, old-school Letterman's jacket that's the look right now, you know? I, I actually like the, the Letterman jacket look. Yeah. I, I, I actually, so I'll give you a story, believe it or not. I, they just changed the rule to stop the photo shoots and the pictures and you the whole stadium thing. They changed that rule and did not let us do it. So it was an extra benefit. And so, like, I never got a chance to do it. And then they brought it back with the whole NIL thing and visits. And so I'm happy they're able to do it because when you go and they do that, it's like, okay like it's it's like blue chip if you remember the blue movie blue chip like of oh it feels like i'll be here i belong here <clears throat> and it's just different hearing it at the coliseum you know what i mean and it's also different like if you do it at ucla it's different hearing it in the rose bowl like there's more to it probably michigan too and ohio state and penn state and florida and florida state texas like you hear it, and it's not like, oh, like it's just a stadium. You hear it, and then all of a sudden, like, you get the feeling of the history behind it. Like, I'm at the Coliseum. It's 100 years old. I'm at the Rose Bowl. This is by far the where they play the best bowl game out of all the bowl games. This is the bowl game. Like, it's it's different when you have that behind it. So I'm happy they get to do that. I'm happy they get to do the photo shoots because at the end of the day, and you call this again, they're kids. Right. So they're enjoying doing that stuff like they're kids and they're having fun and you get to see them be kids. Like and so like it's their time where they're letting their hair down. They get to do whatever pose they want to do and get to post it on their social media and do their big post and makes them happy. Right. And it's like, all right, I'm going to SC. Y'all like what I did. Perfect. So I, I like it a lot. I really enjoy it. Like I'm a big advocate for it. I have no problem with it at all. I love it. I, and I hope they never get rid of it. It gets weird. You know, you know, the suits in Indiana, they get weird in Indianapolis. They get weird sometimes. So um, moving forward on the transfer portal. <clears throat> when I was watching the national championship, I thought to myself, this is the best team in the Pac-12. And they're getting crushed up front by Michigan. Like Lincoln Riley needs to get big up front and he needs to get fast and physical soon because that offensive line was big and moving fast. That defensive line. That defensive coordinator deserves a head coaching job, even though he took the job in the middle of the year. Whoever, whatever scheme that is, that blitz package, I want to sit with that man and talk football with him for three days and learn that blitz package and the stunts and the movement that he does. I'm in love with that defense. That defense is amazing. Um, and it also shows good defense wins championships because that offense is subpar. But anyway, neither here nor there. They were getting smashed on both sides of the ball. So my first thought was like, man – we got to get way bigger up front and we got to get moving fast. We need to go back to those SE days with big dudes that move fast. Next thing you know, pops up to the portal. 
we get big ranks, 6'2", 310, right? Played in the SEC, that dude, I watched a little bit of his film, that dude could move. It's a different movement than the last guy that we got at Texas a and This dude is moving. The only thing I'm worried about is that he's a senior, right? And then that's the thing that we picked up on, and the thing that we talked about is that we're going to get these one-year rentals, <coughs> and they don't instill the culture, right? So hopefully the new leader of the team, like Miller Moss, right, and you got like people who's been there and hopefully Taj Washington is still around working out and taking care of those things. They instill that culture in ranks and understands like, this isn't just a stop. You're at SC. If you come and do this right, you'll be a Trojan for life. You know what I mean? Like this one year, this one year at USC makes you a Trojan for the rest of your life. You come and do this right and you play. And I know he didn't get a lot of reps. He kind of got lost in the wash at Texas A&M. That's fine. And that's what the portal is for. But hopefully in this new defense with Lynn, it makes everything different for him. And he has an outstanding season. On top of that, he may just be a depth guy to build depth and get through it. So I just hope he's not a rental player and he's a committed player and wants to come and play and make a change. What do you think, Jamal? No, I totally agree with you, Fred. I, you know, what I really like is it, it's bulk on the interior, you know, 320 pounds. The guy's agile. You take Isaiah Rakes. 17 tackles last year, you know, many tackle for loss, seven and a half, I believe, one sack. And then you pair him with Bear Alexander. And now you've got two anchors on the interior of that defensive line. And then you add an Nate Clifton, who's also a transfer from Vanderbilt, bigger guy. And now you have kind of a three-man rotation there in terms of that defensive line that you can then pair with the returning linebackers. And you're really starting to round out a front seven for DeAnton Lynn that's beginning to resemble with the same size and speed as he had at UCLA this year, and then his scheme could really thrive. You know, that Ravens scheme, quote-unquote. So I think this is absolutely the right move. I think you reiterated it. Look, Washington, Ryan, you've mentioned, is sort of built similarly to USC in a lot of ways, right? It's it's want to get out and run uh, and be very vertical, have playmakers on the outside, be opportunistic defensively. Well, we just found out that doesn't quite work against, uh, you know, an elite team in the trenches like Michigan. USC gave up 52 points to Washington. Michigan gave up 13 points to Washington. So there's a long way to go there in terms of ability to be defensive-minded, to be tough in the trenches, to tackle, to block. And I think guys like Rakes and guys like Clifton are really the right building blocks and reinforce the fact that Lincoln Riley said we want to go out after very large human beings, and Rakes is certainly... Uh, fits in that mold as a very large and agile human being. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a great get. I mean, just the size. The, the dude played running back in high school, which yeah, is insane. Yeah. At like, 320. I mean, that's crazy, right? Freaking bowling ball as a running back. I mean, he gives Maurice <laughs> Jones Drew a bad name as a bowling ball. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the fact, too, there's, there's, you know, some people point to the fact that he was kind of a, a spot starter or a rotational guy as a, a flag, but it also could be you know, pointed as he's got a lot of tread still left. And if he needs to come in and kind of be that anchor on the, on the defensive line with bear Alexander, um, he should have a lot of juice and a lot of, you know, spring to his step because he wasn't overused at Texas A&M. So it's a great get. We knew coach, and I know you mentioned it, but we knew that there were going to be some transfer portal guys that were going to be one year rentals that they were just, that's the name of the game. They're going to have to do it. So this is one of them. Um, but you know that in their 24 class, you know, with guys like Carlin Banks and Jaya Abisari, these are guys now that can learn behind Bear 
and Isaiah um, rakes and hopefully, you know, kind of get bigger as they get older. Uh, but this was a, a necessary get to go up against these big 10 offensive lines. And he's got sec experience, which I think uh, is very good. We saw how good Barry Alexander was after what he did in the sec at Georgia and coming over here to play in the PAC 12, which was the best conference, but is also has been known as not being the biggest in the trenches. So getting guys of that ilk and experience, um, was great. So, I mean, it was, it was a must get and it was a great get and they, they were able to, you know, finalize it and get it done. So he, keep heading in the right direction. Keep making moves. Yeah, definitely. And just to have put people at ease, USC has never struggled with a big 10 team in the history of their football. They pretty much have the highest win in Rose Bowl record and they play big 10 schools. SC went to Ohio state, beat Ohio state twice in the past. I know it was the past them all. Don't drop the stats. I'm just Putting people at ease. I want to put people at ease right now. We're in the off season. Just we'll save it for August. Save it for August. Absolutely. We'll yeah, Fred, it's, it's eight months off. Okay, don't worry. You know, it's all good. You know, off season madman's a different madman. You know, I got so. you. <laughs> I, I can see it calculating. Like, wait, hold on. But yeah, let, let's just let, I will just put them at ease with that. Moving forward. So today, headline tit actually. I was at work on a job walk away from my phone. I come back and I I should have took a screenshot of this. I had a hundred notifications on my phone of text messages. Well, aren't you special? You know, I mean, nah, what, what a flex there on the radio. You know, most so of, most of them. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll fix it. Most of them were from group chats, and most of them were from Slack. So put it like that. So it didn't come from a. You bunch didn't have of to people. verify. You could just ran. You didn't know. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So. Well, and some of them were from teammates, and you know, teammates I still talk to. But Pete Carroll was let go from the Seahawks, and so I we talked about this before how to go. And I kind of want to steer the conversation. Let's steer the conversation this way. Pete Carroll's one of two coaches who won a Super Bowl and a national championship. He's three. Who's the third one? I'm sorry, Jimmy Pete Switzer. Okay. Three, one of three coaches win national championship. I apologize. But he's also transformed programs programs everywhere he's been. Even when he was in New England, he was still pretty decent. When he was with the Jets, he wasn't too bad, right? And then he had some time. He even said in the press conference today, I'm going to take my have to take some time off, learn a bunch of new stuff, reamp this thing, and I'll be back. So, he, I mean, he's ready to go and he's ready to come back. But my question for you, is Pete a Hall of Famer? And not just a Hall of Famer. Does Pete go to both Hall of Fames? I'll start with Ryan. Oh, man. I I feel like college, yes. Um, I know it was a shorter stint, but you are, he orchestrated one of the greatest college football dynasties ever, one of the greatest teams ever. Um, so I would say yes. Pro man, it'd be hard to keep him out what he did and going to two Super Bowls and all the success he had in Seattle. I'm trying to think of all the recent coaches or lack thereof that have or haven't got in. I'll go pro. I'll go no, but just barely. Not that I don't want him to get in, but I just feel like it's it maybe needed to do a little more. I don't know, though. That's that's a tough question. What do you think, Jamal? No, I, I we'll start with the easy one. You know, college is a no-brainer. I mean, yeah. we just got to refresh everyone's memory here. He was nine years at USC. First year was a rebuild. Last year, you know, it was it was a little bit tough on the rebuild. Those middle seven, I mean, seven consecutive uh, top five finishes. 
you're six and one in BCS games at the time. Obviously, the two national championships, the opportunity to play for a third, 34-game winning streak, four Rose Bowls, two Orange Bowls. He did in seven years what most coaches do in 30. So there's no question in my mind he is not only a Hall of Fame college football coach, but one of the 10 or 12 greatest college football coaches to have ever lived. And so that's an easy one. On the pro side, I got to be honest with you, I think he's in as well. I mean, you know, when you talk, how many coaches get the opportunity to be able to play in two consecutive Super Bowls? He won one, arguably should have won the second. Um, and then obviously, you know, had a great run with with Seattle. I'll, the, the game that sort of put him on the map, remember, was the, the beast mode run, if you recall. You know, that first year, they were seven and nine and kind of got into the playoffs in a, in a weak divisional situation. And the Saints were the defending champions at the time, you know, in that wild card game. Uh, and that beast mode run put him on the map. Obviously, the Legion of Boom team. And then just his ability to constantly kind of reinvent himself with Russell Wilson, with Geno Smith. So to me, I think there's no question that, that he's a Hall of Famer uh, in, in both sports. The one thing I will say is there was a similar narrative arc with Pete at USC and Pete with the Seahawks because he built USC into an iconic dynasty, won a few championships, one play. He was one play away. That Lendale fourth and two. Everyone remembers the Vince fourth and six. But the reality is it was Lendale fourth and two that was the one that was going to cap off that national championship. Lendale getting stuffed. SC, he, he never could get back to the national championship game after that in, in this sort of tragic poetry. And very similarly, winning, building up Seattle, winning that first Super Bowl, and then, of course, not handing the ball off to Marshawn Lynch one play away from repeating and then could never kind of get back to the Super Bowl and, and have a real great run at it. So there's this poetic tragedy and, and that mirrors itself with USC and, and the Seahawks. Can you imagine if he just executes those three yards, the one yard for Marshawn Lynch and the two yards for Lendale White, you're talking about three consecutive college championships in the modern era and back-to-back Super Bowls, and this isn't even a conversation, you know? And so that's how close the margins are. But for me, even with his body of work, I think it's yes for both. I will say yes for both, but I don't think he's a first ballot for the NFL. I think he'll have to wait and he'll be on on the back end. But yes for both without, without a doubt. Um just I played for Pete and just the stuff that he talked about and the way he got people to buy into his program, you instantly bought in from it's all about the ball to where he gives the freshman the ball and we have to protect the ball throughout the whole camp to just the better teams play better for longer periods of time. Only three rules. We only have three rules. Always protect the team. Be early. No whining, no complaining, no excuses. Just him being open, always have an open door policy. Him letting the coaches go on Halloween so he could, the kids could go trick-or-treating. Having family day, <clears throat> just being a part of everything. It, it <clears throat> Being a part of his culture, even with my culture, I, I adapt some of that stuff that he takes with him. Like being at his house, he invited us over to his house to have a dinner with the whole team, right? He, he, he took us to Knoxbury Farm, rented the whole park just for us in camp so we can have a break and did things like that. Um, it's kind of remarkable what he did because you look at it from this standpoint, and, and, and I'll end it on this. He got fired from New England. And Belichick replaced him. And you kind of think about if Kraft would have kept him, it might have been the same result, right? 
but also for somebody to go and sit back and say, what did I do wrong and not play the victim? And he went and rechanged his whole style and did all this research and figured out what he did and how to make a great program. And it actually worked. It's amazing for him to just be at his daughter's volleyball game and get the job. It's incredible. And he already had that plan. He's like, yes, my plan finally worked. I can finally put my plan to work to see if it actually works. So it's just amazing. Coach, if, if I may add just one thing to, to piggyback on those amazing comments, you know, two things kind of come to mind. One is, to your point, destiny is is a thing. It, it's yeah. a real thing because you talk about both sides of that destiny, right? Where, hey, if he stayed at New England, you know, maybe it's it's him and Brady for 20 years and, and the same similar things happen. But sometimes things happen for a reason. And let's not forget P. Carroll was USC's sixth choice for head coach back in 2001. Yep. Uh, the fact, you know, Mike Bellotti was number one at the time, went through a list, couldn't get their guy, and it was their sixth choice that basically architected the modern era of USC football. And so destiny is a real thing. And the second thing I'll say, Coach, to your point about building culture, building pillars, kind of building a philosophy, you and I love to have fun you know, in a, in a brotherly way in terms of LA football network and all the teams, you know, he attributes, who did he, who does he attribute John Wooden. building a culture, a philosophy, the wizard of Westwood coach, John Wooden. So he learned some things from UCLA to be able to build uh USC football into a modern dynasty. So I got to throw that one in there for you, man. <laughs> no, 100%. You got it. Everybody listening on the mightier 1090. We appreciate you. Thank you. If you want to go and get in on this playoff action, go to battleline.ag, put in promo code, believe that's B L E A V receive a 50% welcome bonus. Thanks again for listening. Um, I remember when I was a freshman and I don't, I think it was John McKay. It might have been John McKay. He might have still been alive at the time when he when Pete first started coaching at SC and he took all the coaches and took them out to his house way out somewhere in the desert. I don't know if it was Palm Springs or something like that. And John McKay explained to them the culture of USC and what it takes to be a part of USC. And Pete said he took that to heart. And if the coaches wasn't on board, he got he would have got rid of that coach. But all the coaches were on board, and they took it to heart with recruiting and everything like that. I tell you this story because Pete's now available, and Pete's on the free agent market. And I, I don't know if there's bad blood between USC and Pete Carroll, but whatever that is, it's time for Jen to step in, and he needs she needs to fix that bad blood with Pete Carroll and USC. Even Dr. Folt needs to fix that bad blood because – Lincoln Riley and his staff needs to go to Manhattan and Pete needs to tell them to do the same thing that John McKay did with his staff. I think, and I say this all the time and I know it might sound crazy, but the little things matter for programs to be successful. And you look at Texas, they don't lose their tradition, Oklahoma, Michigan. I was surprised Michigan came out in all blue for the national championship. And I told my wife, I was like, Oh, the alumni is going to be pissed. They don't have the maze pants on. Like, they should have won this one in the traditional uniforms, but they went all blue. I don't know how they're going to feel about that one. But if they win, it settles everything. But there's going to be some complaints. But at the end of the day, like, those things matter. The banner's still there for Michigan. The horseshoe will always live in Ohio State. Dot in the eye, right? The Penn State Whiteouts. Like, no names on the back of the jerseys. SC would never have a name on the back of the jersey because nobody's bigger than the logo, right? They need to bridge that gap, and they need to bring Pete back and make him a cultural liaison or something like that, and they need to have that retreat 
and they need and pizza parties too, so they can have fun also. But they need to have those retreats because the culture is still missing. And I think, like you said, destiny—you can't control destiny. And there's a culture issue. And I think Pete is the guy that could bridge that one gap just like that to put SC back to where they need to be. I'm going to go to Jamal first. What do you think about that? No, coach. I mean, I think you, you said it really well. And I think, I think what, you know, you talk about in the spirit of learning and continuous improvement and growth and so much of what Pete said uh, in his press conference about reinventing himself yet again. And, you know, that's something that Nick Saban has also done. And I know we'll talk about that later. To me, I think this is an opportunity for Lincoln Riley to show that he is trying to reinvent himself and learn by bringing Pete in. Because I'll tell you, he had that at OU with Bob Stoops. You know, Bob Stoops kind of played the John McKay role for Lincoln Riley at OU in terms of setting things up, succession plan, in terms of kind of establishing what the OU kind of history is. And he, you know, scoffed at that, right? He turned his back on it. He went somewhere else kind of in the middle of the night. And so this is an opportunity for him to acknowledge, hey, the game isn't just one with X's and O's, with play calls, and just with, you know, kind of robotic movements on the field. Culture matters. You know, relationships matter. Building an organization matters. And so I think it would be a tremendous step in that direction to bring Pete forward and bring him in this role as a cultural liaison, an ambassador, you know, sort of USC's version of Matthew McConaughey, if you will, right? You know, the minister of culture that McConaughey likes to call himself for UT and Austin FC and all of that. Who better than, than Pete Carroll with his incredible energy, his incredible spirit, not only to build culture in the program, but also to be a fundraiser for alumni and boosters and folks connected with the university to sort of promote the new facilities, to be able to bring a nil endowment, to be able to bring resources and strategic partnerships in this new world of college football. So it'd be a tremendous opportunity. Now, I think having said that, I think there's two issues here and two roadblocks to be able to make that completely happen. The first for me is, I think there is... I don't want to call it bad blood, Fred, but I I hear where you're coming from. But there is certainly a distance between Pete Carroll and USC. You know, even in the times that he's been asked about USC since 2009, since leaving. And can you believe it's been 14 years since Pete's been been gone? um, You know, he's, he's always sort of answered the question is, hey, I'm so far removed from that place. I don't know what's going on. He hasn't necessarily made that effort to stay engaged with USC, stay in touch. And I think it's a two-way street. I don't think the university has done enough. And I don't think he's necessarily had this desire to sort of stay connected, given how things sort of played out with the sanctions and and leaving and what have you. So I think, number one, does he want to kind of come back full circle to a place that meant so much to him at the time, but he was always kind of more in a pro mindset that I'm going to come to college to reinvent myself but ultimately, the destination is professional football again, much in the way I think Jim Harbaugh is thinking right now. Number two, I think the issue comes down to how much is in the tank. And he's 72 years old, and he made it a point in the press conference to say, I have so much ready, uh, so much energy and so much willingness and so much fire and so much left to prove uh, that I'm going to kind of take some time to reflect, but I want to get back out there. And so I don't necessarily see him 
saying, hey, at 72, I'm done. I'm just kind of a director of leadership. I'm a minister of culture, and I'm going to fundraise for another guy to be able to get success, you know, to just kind of play this sort of sideline figure for someone else to go and get success. I think there's a lot more in the tank here, and I think for him to feel fulfilled, I think there's going to be either a head coaching job or potentially a general manager job, but I think it's going to be something much more hands-on than just being kind of a liaison for USC. Do I think in an ideal world it would be a perfect fit? Absolutely. But I don't think reality is going to be the case just because, A, I think he's still very much in that NFL mindset, and, B, I think he still has so much energy that he wants to kind of go and prove it one more time. Yeah, I think if they do do some type of thing for him this year during the ST game, I think you'll get a sellout, guaranteed. Just for like sure. That. Pete Carroll Day, you get a sellout. Brian, I know you say Lincoln Riley made a big deal about trying to bring people back. And I like I just mentioned, like, so do you think the thing you're in a lot of his press conference, do you think that fits with Lincoln what re, Lincoln Riley's trying to accomplish with um bringing back players and bringing back old people from the past culture? How do you think Pete fits in with this? Like you'll have the best mindset because you been in you've heard Lincoln Riley talk well it would be a home run and beneficial to everyone to Lincoln you know I don't think it's any mystery that Lincoln doesn't love talking to boosters and NIL and like he's a football coach right and I think Pete has that that gravitas and the like he's more not he's great at football coaching also but he's such a good mouthpiece for the university and then he was just that's what made him so great and reaching out to all the kind of the celebrities of LA and inviting him in and and that's just not necessarily who Lincoln Riley is it's just a different personality and, and so someone like Pete could kind of bridge that gap in a way that could do that and um, it would just be such a great synergy, I think, that they could build off each other and obviously Lincoln learn a lot. So because I agree with Jamal, if this were to happen, it would be, I think, a rental, whether it's a year or two years. It wouldn't be much more than that because it seems like he definitely wants to coach. And I'm sure with the, what, seven NFL openings, there's going to be teams that call him. And I know Seattle and the ownership said that they're keeping him on as an advisor, but if he gets offered a job, he's going to take that and not just stick as an advisor. So I think it'll probably be a rental, but why not get him back, get him back in the culture you know, put him in charge of NIL for a year. Like the money's going to flow in with, with Pete Carroll at all the booster events and the dinners and, and at, you know, out at crypto.com and stuff. Um, so I think that'd be, you know, it'd be great for, I think all parties, in my opinion, the, the interesting and maybe how the way this would happen if it did, I'm not saying it will, but the way it would is when you look at Jen Cohen, new AD, you know, she started at Washington in 98, not as the AD yet. She was an assistant at them, but all the way back in 98 before Pete even joined USC in 01. And then she was there obviously till 23. And so, you know, over that time, I'm not saying I know that they know each other well, but it's pretty obvious that when you work in the same city in the sports industry, you're going to meet, you know, Seattle played at Husky stadium from, from 2002 one. So there's, there's connections with the Seattle Seahawks and the Washington Huskies and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I wonder if she'd have any, any pull or sway and maybe some past relationship, whether it's with Pete directly or just with inner circles of his with Seattle that could, you know, open the conversation more. Cause it wasn't past SC when, when he left, if there was any quote unquote, blood blood or whatever. So it'd be great. It'd probably be a rental, but I mean, just how much fun would it be to have the, the monarchs back on campus? No, that'd be exciting to have the Monarchs back. Well, eventually the Monarchs will get retired or they're going to become the <laughs> Pete Carroll Monarchs, but that'll, that'll be great to have Pete Carroll back. Uh, news was just popping today. So another story that came out, 
Nick Saban decided to call it quits, right? And I don't know how to address this because I have my feelings towards the way things go. A lot of people are saying it's NIL. He can't adapt. I can't take away from his success on the field because he has won multiple national championships and things like that. And he's done a great job as a coach. But I do believe that he can't keep up because he can't pay players anymore now that everybody else is playing players. I don't know if that's true or not. That's just my opinion. And I've always stated on that opinion. And if you listen to me, you know how I feel about SEC and their past and history, things like that. But I also think that somewhere in the back of my mind when I was thinking about this drive home today, Nick wants a shot at the NFL again. There's seven opportunities open. I think Nick wants a shot at the NFL. I think he's making it easier for him to be a NFL coach because he no longer has to get bought out. He's retired. His papers are in. He doesn't have to buy out the Alabama. They don't have to buy out the Alabama contract. They can go fresh start. I think this is an opportunity, and I think this is his way to make a clean break from Alabama and try at the NFL. I think this is the best way for him to do it, and I think this is his game plan. I could be wrong. So I would like to see it. I want to see his success at the NFL. But the only thing that worries me is that system is a little bit outdated. The Belichick-type system in the NFL it's not really working anymore, and they kind of have that same system, and we see it, Josh McDaniels and uh, Dan P- Patricia. The only person who has had success is um, he was in Miami, and he got fired, and he should have not got fired. Brian Flores. Flores. Brian Flores. There you go. Brian Flores. Thank you. Brian Flores. He, he had some success, and he had two early, and they were winning a little bit. That fire was questionable. But I do think he's trying to get an NFL. I think this is his chance so teams don't have to buy him out and there's not a lot of contract negotiations. So Nick Saban retires, one of the best to do it. Two, we have two, probably two of the best coaches in this era out of the game right now. The, it's the turning of the guard. For me, it kind of sucks because I wish I was in coaching because it gives me opportunity. I wish I had the opportunity. Like, all right, those guys are leaving. Like, it gets, I wish I was still in it to be able to be a part of this so I could at least get my shot now. But it is what it is. I still love my life. No regrets. Things happen for a reason. But two of the best coaches in our era are now out of the game. Bill's going to stay in it because of his contract. He's going to trade. But it's just crazy to see. So, Ryan, I'm pass it to you. Nick Saban is gone. What's your opinion on it? What do you think about him going pro? And how do you feel? Do you think this is a changing of the guard with coaching football? Yeah, look at that. Three or four questions in one. All right. Uh, no, it's I mean. Three. It's three. I'll walk three. you through if you need help. Uh, yeah, I might, I'll, I'll call back on you. Um, no, I mean, what a great coach, uh, what he did. I, I don't think it, I don't think, especially now with an IL, it will ever be replicated. And, you know, we that probably a whole different podcast going into what maybe they did in the sec in Alabama to help expedite that, but that's a whole different conversation. Either way, you know, you look at his, his winning, you look at his championships, you look at the sec titles. I mean, I don't think it will ever be replicated, especially with this new transfer portal in IL era. It was unfair anyway to for to compare to him because how great he is, and now it's it's almost impossible with what you have to go up against to get to that. So, um, you know what he did, he looked down in my opinion as the greatest college coach of all time, um, and it's hard to argue against that just purely based on the winning. NFL wise, 
I mean, hey, that'd be interesting. I don't see it. I, I think personally, not only because of his age, but also the way he left the NFL the first time, basically, you know, spurning Miami, saying he was back and then leaving in the middle of the night to go back to to college and, and kind of screwing them over. You know, NFL, as everyone knows here, is a, is a close-knit club, close-knit, you know, it's the boys club. And I think they probably all talk and I, I it'd be hard to see him maybe get another chance at that, especially now at his age. However, we've seen coaches like Josh McDaniels, like Adam Gase, get multiple chances who probably should never got another opportunity to coach again. So I'll never say never. I don't know if that's that will be the case. Um, but hey, if all it takes is that one call for an interview and then all of a sudden the the rumors and everything gets rolling. Um, so it would certainly be interesting. Um, I'm curious. I wonder where his best fit would be. Maybe we can talk about that on another podcast too. But um, and changing the guard, yeah, absolutely. Uh, him and then we didn't even mention, you know, Jim Harbaugh. If he goes to the NFL, I mean, you have two of the premier, argue top five college coaches not coaching college anymore. Um, so huge changing of the guard, and and it shows that, you know, this this new college football is is going to change everything, including the guys that have coached for a long time and. You either, you know, get with it and and kind of adapt to it. You try to go against the grain and, and stick with your old stuff, or you, you say, you know what, we had a good run and, and this isn't for me anymore. So uh, I'm not saying he did that necessarily, but that's just kind of the, the the opportunity or the decision you have as a coach. So great, great coach, great, great career. The dominoes that are going to come from this are going to be unbelievable. I mean, they now have a 30-day window at Alabama to decide if they want to transfer out. We've already seen the five-star receiver re-enter the um, – or decommit, I should say. Um, two people decommitted. Five. Yeah, decommitted yeah, Ryan already. Williams won and – yep. <clears throat> yeah, the number two overall receiver or whatever. Um, and so, you know, we're going to see a huge domino effect. Coaching is going to change. Obviously, everyone talk about Dan Lanning being linked to them. There's been Kalen DeBoer has been thrown out there. Um, Dabo Sweeney has been thrown out, which I don't think that's a fit for Alabama, but, uh, whatever that looks like. So it's going to be a lot of dominoes falling because of this one. That's for sure. Was that all, is that all three questions? Yeah. All right. I have another one. Damani Jackson. Just remind me of Damani Jackson when we, yeah. after Jamal goes. Well, the, the Domani Jackson meme is that, uh, Saban found out he got Domani Jackson and decided to retire. So, you know, uh, <laughs> so that's, that was the, the Domani Jackson joke, you know, just in, in good fun there. Fred, in terms of your questions, look, it's the undisputed greatest coach in the history of college football. I mean, I don't think there's any conversation there uh, in that regard with the seven national championships, six at Alabama in 17 years. Uh, it's sort of poetic that both uh, Nick Saban and Pete Carroll go out on the same day, both 72 years old, and they both go out on the same day because they have been, in many ways, the two seminal figures in college football in the 21st century. Look, Pete started in, in 01. His first great year at SC was 02. When was Pete's last great USC year? 08. When was Saban's first national championship at Alabama? 09. I mean, it was just, it's been a seamless run from you know the early 2000s till today with these two guys uh, with unquestionably, in my mind, the two great dynasties in college football in the 21st century. I think what he's done is is not going to be replicated, not necessarily because of rule changes or era changes. I just think it's damn hard to win seven national championships. I think the the sport of college football, I think it's the hardest championship to win. And the fact that he was able to win it seven times, go to 10 national championship games is nothing short of sensational. I think at 72 years old, I think this was his best coaching job of his entire career, taking this Alabama team, taking this Alabama quarterback 
developing them over the course of the season and taking them all the way to the college football semifinal. And let's be honest, I mean, that Michigan game went in overtime, could have gone either way. The Michigan guy, you know, caught the punt at the one-yard line, got hit. You know, that ball almost came out. That ball comes out, Alabama wins the game. I mean, it was that close to potentially playing for another national championship and winning it. So, to me, this is almost the perfect way for him to go out because he's had so much success. I think the difference between him and Pete is, I think Pete feels like he's still got to prove something because I think Pete hasn't had a great last few years as a coach. And I think he wants to show that he can kind of go out on the high note when you're talking about Nick Saban, you're talking about a guy who's going on the ultimate high note, no question about it. And so, look, is there opportunities? I know we love to talk about SEC and, you know, the paying of the players, even, you know, pre-nil days and, you know, whatever it takes to win. But, Fred, you know, that's kind of the the kettle, you know, sort of, uh, you know, calling coffee black, right, when we're, we're talking about it as USC guys. I mean, Rodney Pete famously said, Hey, I took a pay cut when I went to the pros from USC. So USC has been paying players for decades. So we, we can't play the integrity card here. Everyone's trying to do what they can to win. So I find it a little laughable that, you know, we're kind of making fun of the SEC paying players, given just everyone's history. Uh, the only but difference think- is when we got caught, we get in trouble. When they get caught, they don't get in trouble. That's fair. the only That's difference. Fair. That's totally fair. <laughs> Absolutely. But everybody was doing it. And so that shouldn't be held against him in any way, shape or form. What a run. And, and I think the thing that I'll always remember about Nick Saban is his ability to reinvent himself. And when you talk about those first three Alabama national championships being of the ilk of this Michigan team, Fred, you know, in the trenches, tough, defensive, running back oriented. And then the last three national championships, having offensive coordinators like Kiff and like Sark and having quarterbacks like Tua and Mac Jones and Jalen Hurts and, and throwing the ball all over the yard and having receivers you know, like Judy and Devonta Smith and Amari Cooper and, you know, you waddle and you name them. So I think his ability to reinvent himself is absolutely sensational. And I think this is the right time for him. This was his best coaching job. And I think the game is changing. And I don't think that it's, hey, I'm afraid of change or what have you. I think sometimes it's ultimate self-awareness to say I'm 72 years old and the game is headed to a new era And it's a young person's game. It's a young man's game. You need someone younger, a little bit more energy, a little bit more culturally relatable to the Gen Zs and the millennials of today. The Gen Alphas now we are in that kind of stage. So I think it's just sort of the natural test of time. I equate what he's done a lot with what Coach K did at Duke. You know, Coach K's ability to sort of reinvent himself with the one and done rule and sort of get to a point of nil and be able to hand it off. So the toast of the town here with, with Nick Saban, uh, as the greatest football coach of all time. And it really kind of cements that we're headed to a new era uh, in college football. And my goodness, between Harbaugh potentially going to the Chargers, the Alabama job opening, I mean, this is, we're going to see a tectonic shift in terms of coaches and that coaching carousel over the next few weeks uh, that is going to be hard to sort of look back historically in terms of replicate. The Lannings, the DeBoers, look, let's not play naive. Lincoln Riley's going to get a phone call as well. So, I think there's going to be a conversation there about the nil money at Alabama and the nil money potentially at LSU compared to the nil money at USC. So I think we have to sort of be ready for any and all changes uh, moving forward. But I think it's going to be an incredible uh, next few weeks here of how the landscape of coaching changes. But hats off to Saban. I think some interesting coaching dominoes, Fred, when it comes to Harbaugh. You know, if Harbaugh 
you know, we're LA centric. Harbaugh goes to the Chargers. Michigan job opens up. I know there's a lot of conversation potentially about Brian Kelly going to Michigan, given he's more of a Midwest guy than a yes. South guy. You know, mm-hmm. it, Notre Dame, Michigan, there's a lot of similarities there. And then lo and behold, the LSU job opens up. You know, does Kalen DeBoer get the LSU job? Does Lincoln Riley get the LSU job? I mean, I think there's just so many things that can happen from here on out. So it's going to be fun for us. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting time here. I, I will, I will, I will, I will say this. And you, you made a very great point, Jamal. He just knew when it was time, and I don't think he had anything because you could say, "Oh, he couldn't keep up with NIL." Well, he was in the playoff last year. He was in the playoff this year. He's been in the playoff for the past three, four years since they had NIL, so he was able to keep up with NIL. I just think he woke up this morning and was like, "I'm over it." You know what I mean? Sometimes you wake up and you say, "I'm done." And I think this was a time for him to say, I'm done. A lot of people forget that these are human beings. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like they forget that as human beings. He probably has grandkids. And right now, he let's just say, let's just give him 20 more years to live, right? And that's a stretch for 72 years old, right? But 20 more, he'll live until 92 years old. At least in those 20 years, he could see his grandkids grow up. He could have spent time with his kids that he doesn't get to spend time with. Because people don't understand, the whole spring, you're on the road. The whole the whole summer, from middle of summer all the way until now, you're doing something football-related. Like, you don't get family time. I think he's like, I just want time. So, and he has that house by the lake. he probably just go live in his lake house, but I think he just woke up and was like, it's time. Like, you know what I mean? I don't think he had anything to do with keeping up or the game change or things like that. I think he would adjust it to it because he was good enough to do it. I just think today was the day he probably looked at his wife and said, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to go turn it in and it's time for us to hang out. You guys agree? Disagree? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it, yeah, no, I think it, uh, I don't know how coaches do it, man. I don't know how you have a family at all. And and so, you know, well-deserved and we're sitting here at eight twenty, and I feel guilty uh, leaving my family. So I don't know how coaches are on the road for nine months a year. I will um, tell you this. I got lucky because I have a military brat. So she understood. Yeah. Right. And, and then she was coaching softball. She coached softball for two years. So she, there's times where she was on the road playing and I was on the road recruiting. So, like, we understood it and we got the game. And, like, just she grew up in athletics. I grew up in athletics. We got it and we, we understood the concept. But you have to, this could be a whole different show. <laughs> but I, this is one thing you have to, when you make your day, like, this is our day, you make it your day. You know what I mean? And, like, you yeah. said it, you said that day, this is our day. I had to learn. I'm gonna be home at eight o'clock. I had to, I can I had to learn to stop saying I will be home at eight o'clock because eight o'clock will lead to eleven thirty, and she made dinner because she expected to have dinner with me. Like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like it got to the point to where like I don't know when I'll be home, you know, or when I'm home early. Like hey, I'm coming home early. I'll be home early today. Like you have to be very communicative and open because if you give absolutes, it leads to disappointment. Open ended at least gives you an idea. You know what I'm saying? So those are like the tricks that I learned. Like when you have the time cool. spending with her, you know what I mean? So, which is ahead. so funny. I was just gonna say, which is so funny. Cause when, when you're actually coaching, like you have to live in absolutes, like it can't be open-ended. So the right. job is absolute. The off the field is uh open-ended. Right. Uh, yeah. But- so well said Fred. Absolutely. And you know, I, I think we should all be striving in a certain extent to be 
you know, have a version of life like Nick Saban. I mean, think, you know, we should be celebrating him for making that decision, you know, of, mm-hmm. of giving, you know, Fred, you said it 20 years. I agree with you. That might be a stretch. I think it's probably more like 15 years of, of, of quality life. And, you know, you want to be able to spend that with your loved ones. He's, he's the greatest coach of all time. There's nothing to prove. He's, he's the pinnacle of his field. He's like an emperor of Alabama. All these businesses, all these car dealerships he has, all the commercials. He could pick up a TV job tomorrow and be kind of the highest paid college analyst. I mean, can you imagine the folks that would want to tune in to see what <laughs> Coach Saban thought about a game? I mean, my goodness. And and be able to spend time with his his family and loved ones. And and why not? You know, and I think coaching is a is a profession that's 24-7, 365. Entrepreneurship is a profession that's 24-7, 365. I think sometimes we aspire to to live a world where we're done at eight o'clock, you know, because there's some professions where that's a pipe dream. And so when you get that opportunity to to finish uh, early and and now have the valuable time with your family, you know, kudos to to, to Nick Saban. He gets to be a grandpa. He gets to be a husband and uh, and and live quality life and and live a personal and leave a personal legacy. So uh, I think it should be really celebrated. Were you going to say something, Ryan? Oh, I was just when you were talking TV, I was just saying it's already rumored he's going to take over for Corso on college game day. So, (laughs) oh, that'd be good. And the good thing about TV is it's only Friday and Saturday. You leave Friday, you do Saturday, you're back home. So, you're there for the that works out too. And I will end it on this. We'll end it on this one. My wife tells me if I ever get an opportunity, that is the last opportunity. We're not doing this football thing anymore. Like, if you get an opportunity and it goes and it goes for a long time, and once you're fired, you're done. So, I mean, that that gives you an idea because you could get up like you're talking about, like, I'll just give you an example. Let's just say right now. Right. Right now I get a call and I have to go to Kansas. We'll just pick around the place. I go to Kansas. I got to go right now. She has to stay. And we're talking about her staying with a 16 month old and she's expected in March. And she has to stay all the way until probably like the summer and hold the house down. You know what I mean? Like people don't understand that part. Now think about it. If I had, if they were both two or three and they're in school and she's doing all that by herself, by herself while I'm out in Kansas coaching and then she can't come into the summer or school or uprooting kids in school. So like everybody doesn't get that part about coaching. They love the idea, but they hate the reality. Mm -hmm. And the reality is not great. You know what I mean? So coach, I mean, and you're the coach here, obviously, uh, I can only sort of speculate from a third person vantage point here. But when you were describing, you know, obviously so many stories there. But, you know, the, the one person kind of in our recent universe here that we, we've been talking about part of USC football that kind of popped into my mind as you were talking was DeAnton Lynn. You know, yeah. is, if you recall how he got hired and then within six, eight hours, he's in one state and then six hours later, he's in another state. And that, you know, he's sort of on the fly that he couldn't even really meet, you know, the rest of the, you know, the SID staff and the the rest of the program for 10 days, 14 days until he got back. And so I don't know Coach Lynn's sort of personal life, whether whether he's married or whether he has kids, but I can only imagine if and when that that becomes a reality for him. Uh, my goodness, you know, it's just a, it's a different world. So much sacrifice uh, that come from the spouses and the children. And, you know, when you get the opportunity to to pay that back. Um, in, in, in the folks that are fortunate enough to have the time to be able to pay that back, you know, cause everyone forget, everyone thinks, you know, money and championships, those are all things you can get back. Like you can lose a championship and come back the next year and win it. You can lose money and come back and get money, you know, but the one thing that you can never get back is time. 
Yep. And so for so many people, time is the most precious commodity there is in life. It's not success. It's not money because it's the one thing that you can never get back. And so for those coaches that aren't fortunate enough to be on the other side of it, I mean, tragically, think of someone like an Andy Reid, for instance, who's given so much to his profession, so much to his sport. You know, some of the things that have unfortunately, tragically happened in his family life, you know, with, with losses of loved ones, you know, you never get that back. And so yeah. Uh, if you're fortunate enough to be able to get that remaining time, you know, you got to seize it. Yeah. Yep, and just to, last thing I want to say, just because it's turning it back to LA. Uh, that's what I've always respected. I know Lincoln Riley said this in an interview. Sean McVay has said this Rams coach, how both of them are like, I don't want to coach till I'm in my seventies or eighties. And that's not taking anything away from Saban. I don't want to sound like I'm bashing him at all, but they both have said like, I want to hang it up, but I still have like so much time with family, with kids, yeah. with grandkids. So I think I uh, just want to end with that, like hats off to Lincoln Riley and Sean McVay for outwardly saying that, that like they're putting a shelf life on it because they, they value that more than maybe the, the on the field success. No, yeah. Ryan, it's so well said. And the, the one thing I will say just to sort of put a slight asterisk on that, because I think it's important is that choice comes with privilege and Sean McVay was privileged you know, to be in the family that he was in, to be able to kind of get a coaching opportunity at a very young age, um, you know, that opportunities that others don't get who are more kind of self-made. Yep. Lincoln Riley, to a certain extent, was privileged to to, to be under, um, you know, the Mad Hatter at Texas Tech and then kind of given the keys to the kingdom at a very young age. And so with privilege comes that opportunity to to sort of hang it up earlier. So I commend both of them for having that self-awareness. But privilege does matter in that case. And sometimes when you have done it in a self-made fashion, when you have to kind of go through those struggles, when you don't have the family, when you don't have the connections, when you don't have that door at, at 24, 25, 26 years old, and those opportunities come for you later, it's harder to walk away because you work so hard and it's taken so much longer that it takes more time and you get those opportunities older. So um, I just want to sort of acknowledge that because sometimes it's not always, you know, the world isn't always fair and, and kudos to McVeigh and, and, and Lincoln for thinking that way, but it comes with privilege. Yeah, but at the end of the day, Saban's walking away. I will say this. Just think, so this past week was a coaching convention. Some people get hired at the convention. Just think about people who have to go straight to the school for the convention. Hey, <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> Don't think about those people. Like, I'll, just send me some clothes. We'll take care of the rest later. So. <laughs> So, yeah, I've heard stories like that, too, where, like, coaches got hired at the convention. They go straight to the school. They get a couple polos, and they got to get on the road and start recruiting. Like, because recruiting period opens today for high schools and stuff. So, like, they're already on the road recruiting. So, it, it, it's it's a madhouse. It's crazy. But Nick Stavis gets signed back. 20, 15 years to spend with his family gets to be a grandpa. Fellas, it's been good. We enjoyed it. As always, a day late. But we're never a dollar short. We're always too good. Well done, coach. <laughs> we're never a dollar short. So or a day early, depending how you look at it. Yeah, there you go. So uh don't forget to go to underdogfantasy.com or in the Google store or in the app store and put in USC LAFB and you get a hundred dollar match. You get to pick up to you oh you get to cross over right now you can do nba and uh nfl i've been dealing with that lately and i haven't been very successful but hopefully i hit one but yeah. i've been mixed nba and nfl so and hockey into it too so if you want to get a it? little wild uh fantasy ticket going you can get that and don't forget watch the playoff games this weekend go to your local store get you a stone brewery fight on pell 
I appreciate you guys. It's always fun. The tripod, the bearded bandits, back at it again. Until next time, fellas, I appreciate it. You guys know how it goes. Live free, fight on.